Yeah, thank you. If you can hear me honk your horns. Thank you so much for uh, being here and the warm welcome of the birthday witches. I really appreciate that. Is it the hum? Let me ask you, is it better here? Because I want to make sure it's not the wind. Okay. Is it better back here or better out there? Okay. If it sounds better right here, I just want to make sure it's not the wind. Can you give me a honk if I sound better here? So I'll move everything back. Is that okay? Is not better? I, I don't know if even moving out is going to do any good. Is that better? Is it better? <laughs> All right. Is that better now? Still, it's still up in the air. Uh, is everybody getting a home then? Everybody's. All right. Can, as long as you can hear me, that's that's good enough for right now, I guess. I'll. Um, maybe it's just a technical difficulty, or something. How about now? Okay. All right. Okay. When I sit here and I, I look at all the stuff, the even the confusion this morning, um, and all the stuff that's going on with COVID-19, it really brings into perspective for me the importance of Joshua and what the Israelites went through. And if you got your Bibles, you got your phones, you got something you can read with, out of the Bible, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 6, we're going to go through 115, and the story of this one is basically going to be where the walls fall down, but when we look at this, I want you to remember, reflect, and think about this one statement, and that is because God is all wise, he will often choose to work in ways we would never You know, and that statement right there that I just made, I can look at everything that is going on in America today, and that one statement I can look at and say, you know, you're going to choose ways. I mean, last year, who would ever have thought that we'd be sitting here in a parking lot to go to church? No one. Who had ever thought that they would be told, you can't go to work today? No one would think that. And so the relevancy of Joshua and what happens here, I think, is very valuable for us today and in the future. And so the nation of Israel had already been through a lot. The nation had quite the time overcoming self, others, and incredible circumstances. One would think, surely, they're done, right? Forty years in the wilderness? Sorry, you're breaking up a lot. That's all right. More study on that one. Okay. Everybody can hear me? Give me a honk. Okay. 
I feel like I'm at a, a rally of some sort. <laughs> oh. And so you would think that they would have been through a lot with the 40 years wandering in the wilderness and everything else. But only God knows when it's enough. Because he's all wise, he's the only one that knows when it's enough. And the entire book of Joshua, while historically accurate, can certainly be viewed as a picture of the Christian life full of obstacles, battles, victories, and failures. It, it, you just look at it and you see it throughout. You, you see the nation would face a new challenge day in and day out, every step of the way. And a challenge that would test their faith once again, and the one that they're about to face, the walls of Jericho. While the city and army was great, God was not interested in testing their battle fitness. Instead, God had other plans, and he was more about the test of their courage to obey, he, to obey him even when it doesn't make sense. And, and, and that is so true. God oftentimes asks us to obey when it doesn't make any sense in it. And so uh, to get you up to speed where we're at in Joshua, chapter 6 is dealing with the fall of Jericho. But chapter 4 is where we kind of left off, and so I want to fill in some of the blanks. Chapter 4, you saw Israel move over the Jordan River on dry land. That happened in chapter 3. Chapter 4, you see Joshua going out back into the river, placing 12 memorial stones actually in the river to memorialize the fact that they crossed the river on dry land. And as a result of that crossing of the river on the, of the Jordan on dry land, the Bible says that the nation of Israel, the whole nation, put their trust finally in Joshua to understand that he, like Moses, could be trusted to deliver the message that God had for him. And, and then Joshua, you also see them in that same chapter, put up a memorial right on the border of Jericho, put up 12 stones from the 12 men from each tribe, uh, putting up these memorial stones to memorialize the land that they're about to go into and that God had prom promised them. And then chapter 5, we open up and you look there and you see that these kings had heard about what happened with the Jordan. And they got afraid of the Israelites. God was already preparing the way for them to go in and take over the territory they wanted them to take over. And that God will be doing this. And, and these kings were already frightened by it. And, and this new generation of Israel, you know, one of the things that had characterized the previous generation was circumcision beginning with Moses. This generation never had that. And so you see that take place in chapter 5. And it was a symbol of God's grace and restoration back on these people. He's removed the disgrace from them. He's removing that disgrace, and now he's ready to move on with these people. And as Joshua approaches the border of Jericho, he runs into this giant warrior that only he can see. And he's told by this warrior, you know, that God's going to be fighting this battle. And that warrior is none other than an angel. It's not a warrior like we would think. It is an angel on his side delivering the message from God. 
And now as we enter this chapter 6, I want to read the verses 1 to 5. It says, Now Jericho was shut tightly because of the Israelites. No one was allowed to leave or enter. The Lord told Joshua, See, I'm about to defeat Jericho for you, along with his kings and its warriors. Have all the warriors march around the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And while the priests blow the horns, when you hear the signal from the ram's horn, have the whole army give a loud battle cry. And then the city wall will collapse and the warriors should charge straight ahead. And so God gives to Joshua this game plan, this battle plan, at least this initial battle plan of what's going to take place. And it's not your typical battle plan. It it, it involves no fighting whatsoever. There's no strategy at all that's put in place here. Nothing is going to happen this week that has any military strategy. You know, we're told that the city of Jericho was shut up. No one was coming in or out. The king had heard about what happened with the crossing of the Jordan. And he says, and it says that there was a, they were afraid, and, they were, and it's plain and simple. They had shut the city down. And God tells Joshua something important in these verses. He says, I am. You know, highlight, in that, highlight that when you read it in there. Go back and read through those verses and highlight it. But he says, I am. You know, he's going to fight the battle. He's going to defeat Jericho. And what follows are the instructions that he gives them. And it's basically a victory march for a battle that has never been fought. A victory march around this city. I mean, if you were to think about taking over a territory and a city, this would be the strangest way you'd go about doing it. Having a victory march before the battle is ever fought. And yet that is exactly what God tells Joshua to tell the nation of Israel to do. It is the craziest story that you can think of when it comes to a battle plan. But when we face our battles and we ask God to help us, let us not be surprised when he uses tactics that are outside of our realm of thinking. Don't be surprised that God uses something in our lives when we ask him that are outside our understanding or even reasoning. You see, God... Am I? Oh, <laughs> that's the way to say amen with a hork. All right. So God could have used Joshua and the armory to conquer the land. He could have done that, but he didn't. And the reason why he didn't is because they would have been tempted to steal the credit from the true deliverer, God himself. You see, God's desire is not only to help them in a time of need and us in a time of need, but he is a jealous God, and he wants his glory shared with no one. He wanted to take credit for that fight that day, that that fight that was going to take place. Not Israel, not the warriors, but him and him alone. You know, I worked one summer at a summer camp, and um, as a counselor working with teenagers in Millers, Maryland, called River Valley Ranch. 
And one week in particular was a very bad week. We had kids coming in from the inner city of Baltimore. We had, uh, you know, students coming in from other areas as well. But there was a good group from the inner city of Baltimore. And, and you know, trying to reach these people, it was very hard, very difficult. You know, I, we worked with them. They just didn't want to listen. They didn't want to obey. They didn't care anything about anything we told them about Jesus. And I started praying to God, and I said, God, you know, I'm burdened for these kids. Show me what I can do to help them make the connection between you and them. <laughs> and he showed it to me. He revealed it to me. He said, Damon, I want you to do this crazy skit. Now, I'm not going to tell you the skit because it is crazy. But we did this crazy skit. And I talked to my roommate that was there, and, and I said, you know, at night, let's do this crazy skit. God, put it on my heart. Let's just try it to see what happens. We did it. And sure enough, when we were sitting there talking with him that night, they started opening up about Jesus Christ. And several of them became believers, all because we did something crazy, out of the ordinary, unexpected, but it was driven by God. And we would go on, we'd do that skit later on every week after that, and we would have the same results. And, and so the thing is this, sometimes in life, God's going to ask you to do something crazy, something you wouldn't expect would work. And when I told that, that the, 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 what the plan was to our head counselor, he's like, that's crazy. That's not going to work. God uses things that don't make sense many times to open up doors and allow himself to work. Joshua 6 and 7 says this. He says, so Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and instructed them, pick up the Ark of the Covenant, and the seven priests must carry the seven ram horns in front of the Ark of the Lord. And he told the army, move ahead and march around in the city, and with armed troops going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. So as Joshua has done throughout this time of his life and leadership, he passed on to the people what God had told him to do. And in this case, it were the priests and the warriors. And, and now these are not the only people that are hearing. These are the, you know, the people that are hearing from Joshua to God. But there is also a group, when I look at it, that never got to hear anything. The nation of Israel itself, they're just on the side watching and looking. But Joshua is able to relate to these people secondhand. You know, he gets it firsthand, but these people are receiving secondhand information from God. And it goes against all sense to do something like this. It goes against all sense for them to think this way. However, the report and trust that Joshua had built up because of the Jordan River they trust him because they believe what he's saying is accurate. Their experience taught them they could trust Joshua. Their experience taught them they could trust Joshua. And sometimes in our lives, we have to trust 
our past experiences with God to act on this new adventure, this new battle, or this new opportunity that he's giving us. And I illustrate with this story of this man. He was a missionary. His name was Brother Yun. That's how he classified himself. And he was a Christian missionary who was saved at the age of 16. He felt called to witness in different parts of China. He was in prison for evangelizing openly, going against the communist government, government strictly religious laws that they had. And Brother Yun's third imprisonment was a very dark period in his life. And as the prison guards in the maximum security prison were determined to prevent his escape, so they'd break his legs, they'd cripple him permanently. They had him beaten up every day, even in a crippled state. And one day, God instructed him to escape from prison. This was confirmed by a brother in Christ on Thursday, May 5th, 1997. He miraculously walked past dozens of prison guards and out of the maximum security prison. It was as if he had become invisible to the guards. He did not realize that his legs had been miraculously healed until later. And throughout the horrendous experience that Brother Yun went through, the word of the Lord kept coming to him, encouraging him, and strengthening his faith strange set of circumstances you'd never have thought would happen but yet he was obedient to God to do something different to get up when he's crippled and walk past the guards you'll never know you just never know how God is going to speak and use you in your life and to do things in your life and so 6, 8 to 11, it says this. When Joshua gave the armies its orders, the seven priests carrying the seven ram horns before the Lord moved ahead and blew the horns as the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed behind. And he says the armed troops marched ahead of the priests blowing the horns. And while the rear guard followed along behind the ark blowing ram horns, now Jesus had, or Joshua had instructed the army, do not give a battle cry. Or raise your voices. Say nothing until the day I tell you. Give the battle cry, then you give the battle cry. So Joshua made sure they marched the ark of the Lord around the city one time. And they went back to camp and spent the night there. So for six days, they marched around the wall of Jericho. As commanded by God, they followed God exactly like he said. Have you ever felt like you're walking around aimlessly without a point? I'm sure that's kind of how they felt. Perhaps you've been in an unknown area of the world or an unknown part of the country, and you're having to rely on a GPS or somebody's instructions to get you there. You know, there's always, since it's a new place for you, a sense of anxiousness, uncertainty, sometimes even a nervousness and a fear of the unknown. It's new territory, and you're hoping that the mode of transportation that you're in is going to get you there. You hope you have enough gas to get you to that point because you might have failed to get gas on the way. That must have been the same way these people felt 
when Joshua told them this is what you're going to do. Because when they're sitting around, walking around those walls in a victory march, they're open for attacks. They're open to be hurt. They're, they're just vulnerable. You know, and, and so, you know, when I think about this, you know, compared to God, we're much like children. You know, oftentimes parents, you know this is the case, children will come up to us and they'll want food to eat before dinner time. They want food to have a snack because they got home from school and they want a little snack to eat. They want something to kind of give them a little boost. They're hungry. But the parent understands something. They understand that if I give the child this snack now, we're going to be eating in probably another 10 to 20 minutes. And it's going to ruin the supper that we have prepared for them and that they'll never get filled up on the more nutritious and valuable food that I have prepared for them. You know, while this may be a silly way of thinking of it, you know, God knows what's best. He has a specific plan in mind that he wants us to enjoy, but we often will scoff at him much like our kids do sometimes because they can't have that snack. But people will often scoff at them because it appears to make no sense at all. What God is trying to communicate to us appears to make no sense. But he wants us to enjoy what he has prepared for us. God also knows what's best because of that. And he knows that we'll enjoy much more to be filled up on the supper. And just as Joshua obeyed and trusted God to ultimately overcome Jericho, we also need to learn to trust God to overcome the obstacles in our lives. We need to trust God to overcome the obstacles that we face in our lives every day. So as we look at 12 to 15, it says, Bright and early the next morning, Joshua had the priest pick up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven ram's horns before the ark of the Lord marched along, blowing their horns. Armed troops marched ahead of them. And while the rear guard followed along behind the ark of the Lord, blowing the ram's horns, they marched around the city. One time on the second day, then, the, then, to, then returned to the camp, and they did that six days in all. And on the seventh day, they were up at the crack of dawn, got up earlier that day apparently, because of the longer march, marched around the city as before, only this time they marched around it seven times. And when I read this part of the passage, I see the full faith of the army put in place. They are actually doing what they're told. They're just not listening to what Joshua has said, but they had to actually obey and do what Joshua had told them to do, vulnerable and all. The strangeness of marking, marching out in a victory before a battle, I bet, was fought through their minds. But it was on full display for these seven days. And they patiently, over this period of seven days, display and act in a way that was desirable to God. They completely obeyed in what God told them. 
It was a time of test, but it was a time of trust as well. Trusting that God would do exactly what he says. Would God really protect us each day? Would God knock down those walls? Or even I can't wait until he knocks down those walls. Those are some of the questions I bet they had. And when we go through it, you know, and I read this, there's the unforgotten group, like I mentioned, the Israelite people. Just imagine if you were sitting there with them. You're not near the army. You're not near the priest. You have no idea what Joshua's told them, but you're sitting here watching them ready for battle, not knowing what God had said to Joshua, seeing these people march around the city. And you're sitting there watching them. What are they doing? What's going, why are they marching around the city? Aren't we supposed to fight? And all they can do is just see people marching around the city. You know, it, it, there's no doubt some of them were anxious to get the invasion going so that they could claim their inheritance and settle down and enjoy the rest God had promised them. There's no doubt they wanted to do that. They just wanted to settle down and be a part of what God was going to do. And to some of them, this could have seemed like a waste of time. It could have seemed futile to devote an entire week to taking out the city. But God is never in a hurry, and he knows what he's doing, and his timing is never, ever off. His timing is always perfect. And if the week schedule is a test of their patience, the divine command to be silent throughout the whole ordeal was a test of self-control for these people. Patience and self-control. And it reminds me of this story that, that I've heard before about this blind girl. You know, this blind girl one day was caught in a fire on the 10th floor of a building. She could make her way to the window, but she couldn't see anything as she sat at the window. And she felt the heat and smelled the smoke of the fire coming at her. And she heard a fireman yell to her, jump, jump. And she hollers back, she says, I'm scared. I can't see. I'm not jumping. And the fireman said, if you don't jump, you're going to die. Take the risk and jump. You know, it, it, it's bad enough to jump 10 stories out. But when you can't see anything, it becomes petrifying. And that's when the ter terror starts breaking in our lives. When we can't see and we're standing there knowing that we need to do something, but we're paralyzed because we have no faith or trust to go forward. And the story goes... All of a sudden, she heard another voice. Says, darling, jump. I've got you. And she smiled and said, okay, daddy, I'll jump. You know, the walls of Jericho 
represent the barriers that between Israel and the promised land. The walls of Jericho represented that barrier. They represent the barrier of the promised land that God was giving them, and he chose to work for Israel, but in a way that just didn't make sense. And in our passage today, we see how God works in ways we can't understand, and we often question. We reflect on it in our lives, and we see that there's hurt. We see that there is pain and even an unwillingness to listen to him. You know, at different times in our life, we go through these things. We even fear to trust God because maybe in our life, every time, at least in our way of thinking, we tried to trust him. For whatever reason, God didn't seem to work out according to my plan or the way I thought it should have worked out. You know, these types of walls are in our lives every day. They're there. But when I read the Bible and I see the promise or this premise throughout Scripture, and, it's, and this is it, when we pay attention to God's Word instead of our own intellect, we're able to see victories and success in life. We're able to see it because of what Joshua and Jericho mean for this story and God tearing down those walls. You know, this is the craziest looking thing sometimes when I think about this story and I think about lives. The craziest looking things in life sometimes is obeying God's word. It really is. I mean, think about it. To believe and accept Jesus Christ in your life to forgive us. To meet together often with others that believe in worshiping him. Or how about to give ourselves to other people or to share the story of Jesus Christ? Or how about, you know, sharing it knowing that they're going to reject it? Or even to love enemies, to love our enemies, or to care for people that can't give us anything in return, or to step out in faith and move to a foreign land, just like the Lenses, and let people know that Jesus loves him. These are crazy things that normal people wouldn't do. But because these are things God calls us to do, we obey and we do them. And while they may not make sense to most people, there are all ways we obey God. And being obedient with him in what he says, we're going to find that he will take the walls down in our lives. He will take walls down. You know, and there are some today, you've got walls up in your lives. You have walls put up that have not come down yet. And I'm going to just ask you a simple question. Have you ever tried obeying God in just the little things in life? Have you tried obeying God in just the little things? Is there any area of your life where you still fully have not become obedient to him? Do that, and I believe you're going to start seeing your walls in your life come down. Then there's some out here today that have loved ones that have walls in their lives, and they want so desperately to help them. Have you ever been able to share your story of how God has taken your walls down with them? 
Maybe that's a step of obedience for you. Now, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, I want you to understand God loves you. He cares for you, and he's going to ask you to do some crazy stuff in life. But you can trust him because the crazier it sounds, that means he's going to be more involved in the situation, and he's going to be in more control, and he's got bigger walls to tear down. Right now, we've got a lot of big walls. We've got a lot of things going on with all the stuff going on in our lives. COVID-19 is just the tip of it. But if we trust God, we obey him, I believe, based on his word, that he's going to bring walls down in our lives that we need, whether it's a hurt, whether it's healing, whether it's just a simple promise of maybe getting out of debt. When we obey and we trust him to do what he says, I believe you're going to see victory in your life and that you're going to know that God, that he says this, that, that, that it's true because God is all wise. He will often choose to work in ways that we would never have thought of. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for the, the honks and everything else. It's, it's amazing for you for, you know, to see the site. Thank you for coming out on a cloudy day. You know, God is so good. And we can't take that for granted. You know, we ought to thank him daily because he is so gracious to us. You know, we love you. We miss you. One day soon we'll be back in here, but please bear with all this until we can get there. We want to make sure it's safe for you. We don't want, you know, anything to hurt you. We don't want things to happen to you, and we want to make sure you're safe. And so while we do all this, please bear with us. You know, we do these things on Facebook, too. Share that as well. And do whatever you can to get the message of Jesus Christ out there. We love you and we thank you. All right, let us Dear Heavenly Father, you have been so good to us, Lord, even in this storm, even during the COVID-19, Lord, you're good to us. And it seems like maybe there are things trying to keep us away from us, Lord, but we know that you remain the same and you are there for us, Lord. And thank you for providing for us and giving us salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the church and everyone here and for those who couldn't be here today. I ask that you be with us, protect us, help us to grow and apply your word to our life that we can go out and make an impact. Lord, help us to reach others so that they may know your love. And I ask that you would um, take away any fears or doubts um, during these times, Lord, and replace them with faith and hope, Lord. We know that we can trust you and we love you and amen. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Is this on? Okay, I was like, I.